Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hello, Final Girl. Hi, Final Girl. I just feel like we haven't done this in a long time. Even though to our listeners, it will feel seamless. Right. (laughs) It feels very unseamless to me because we've had holidays and various life events and whatnot. Yeah, lots of life events, lots of of holidays, and um, I'm kind of distracted by your mug, Lori's mug. that's Laura Bierman over on the other side. Hi, and that's Tamara Scott over on the other side of me. Thanks. And um, Laura is holding a show me your kitties uh, mug. Yes. Drinking coffee from that. Yes, because I have many kitties, but I only have two of the other thing that this is alluding to, <laughs> which is good, I can guess. We, can we not say titties? Yeah, I don't know why I didn't say titties. Uh, titties, we've said worse on here. Woo. Oh my, clutch my pearls. Oh, my purity. Clutch my pearls. Speaking of purity, wow, that's a... Mm. We we're, we haven't named our film that we're going to discuss yet, but that's a very nice keyword, uh, purity. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So, um, feeling puritanical? Yes. Rarely am I ever feeling <laughs> that way. And if, if it rises up in me, I squash it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, for those of you who may be new listeners, we could just maybe briefly talk about the format of mm-hmm. the show, which is, uh, our, our, we are Dear Final Girl. Yeah. Um, and the Final Girl reference is to that trope in slasher films where you've always got, you know, that one, the one woman at the end who survives, um, through various means, um, may or may not live on in sequels, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. um, and the dear part of Dear Final Girl is the fact that we take your letters, so we get people to write into us. Um, at dearfinalgirl at gmail.com. Write into us, please. We, yes. we love your letters. Yes, and you can also DM us. Our Twitter handle is at finaldear. You mm-hmm. can send us letters that way. We've received them that way. So people write into us. And basically just writing in with, like, life issues. And we read those, read those letters and think about the themes and what the, what the issues are and then match them with what we think is a good horror film that, like, has, you know, corresponding life lessons, things mm-hmm. that allow us to offer some sort of guidance or help you know we're not professionals no and we uh we will definitely throw out some armchair and psychology and also a lot of um coping strategies that both of us have learned through various therapy sessions and you know just just still being alive yeah being addicted to self-help books (laughs) (laughs) does that work does that God, yeah. If if reading self help books made you a psychologist, I <laughs> like I could start a new career. Me too. Me mm. too. A little cottage industry. Yeah. Little. Sometimes we even get into like love seat psychoanalysis, like armchair psychoanalysis. Oh. But you know, sometimes it's love seat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, spread out. You know. <laughs> so I thought you were talking about like you know. Hmm. 
This lumbar support. We are <laughs> we are in a new location. We are. We and, are. And uh, the there's quilts on the wall. They're beautiful quilts, handmade. All handmade. Um, yes, my friend Janice uh, has made all of these things. Yeah. She is like a mad sewer. Mm-hmm. Um, has an awesome embroidery machine. And yes, what else? There is like we are just you know. A wash in the scent of scented candles. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically the perfect environment for Absolutely. our show. Absolutely. Yeah. And with lumbar support in the kitchen chairs. This lumbar is, support in kitchen chairs. I might have to uh, yeah, you... suggest this for my own house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Dear... Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, all tangents are, are welcome. You know that. <laughs> So basically, you know, we've explained our letter concept, and so we will jump into yeah our, our letter. letter yeah, and I'll I will give it a I will give it a read here. So, dear final girl, the older I get, the more life feels like an impossible balancing act of trying to do it all or get it all done. I want to make taking care of myself more of a priority. What can I do to ensure more self care time happens? Even in this crazy, hectic day-to-day. Sincerely, Robin in Search of Self-Love. This is an awesome letter. I think everybody can relate to this. Um, it Life tends to catch up with you. Um, you think everything is going great, and then you just... you can feel that stress piling on mm-hmm. um, sometimes it really accumulates and I think I think you know this is part of the crux of Robin's letter is like what do I do kind of on a day-to-day basis so that I'm I'm just I'm tending myself I'm right. not letting it mm-hmm. I'm not letting it go and get too much mm-hmm. yeah and we know Robin don't we we do know Robin we actually um, live texted with her as we were watching this together for the well it was my first time watching it was it your first time watching it It was oh okay great it was and um the reason that we watched this film was because robin suggested it absolutely and that was so cool so like robin is one of my closest friends Love you, Robin. Shout out to Robin. Just, you know, woman of all things awesome in my book. And um, she had suggested a couple of films, and the one we ended up going with was 2015's The Witch Mm. from writer-director Robert Eggers. I had never even heard of it because I tend to be so, like, rooted in my old-school horror (laughs) that a lot of new stuff passes me by, which I want to correct. So, Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, uh, as you guys write letters to us, that opportunity to collaborate on the film selection, to, you know, suggest the film that resonates with you based on what you've written, that is, please do that. That would be awesome. That that would be awesome. So 2015's The Witch um, would... Okay, I'm putting you on the spot, but since I've already you want me been to read it? yakking so much already, no do problem. you want to read the plot summary? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because we do spoilers here. Right. Um, Spoiler alert. And listen, so I love reading out loud. Like, when in class, when I was a kid, I um, simultaneous phone notifications. Yes, our cell phones were... Uh-huh. Intruding. Um, so, 
Yeah, when I was a kid and they would want to read around the room, I would like <laughs> get so excited to be able to read out loud. That um, tiny little hand just shot up to volunteer oh, every hell time. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, and even <laughs> so like I went to this meditation group and after um, after we meditated for an hour, which is amazing, just sitting in a room with 20 other people being silent and um, so much fun. Uh, the um, At the end, they would pass out like little readings for us to, you know, think about philosophy, whatever. And when it would come to me, <clears throat> let, let me clear my throat yeah. and sit a little straighter in my seat. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, plot summary for uh, The Witch. 2015. Mm-hmm. Robert Eggers. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. An outcast Puritan family banished from their community seeks to establish a private homestead only to be beset with one tragedy after another. Is it bad luck? Is God punishing them? Or have they been witched by forces from the nearby dark wood? The plagued family includes Father William, Mother Catherine, who becomes convinced that they are damned, and their five children, infant Samuel, whose disappearance kicks off the film, precocious young twins Mercy and Jonas, who fall under the influence of the mysterious Black Philip, son Caleb, who falls prey to mysterious forces in the forest, and daughter Thomason, who's trying to hold everything together as suspicion and accusations increasingly fall upon her. I thought that was a damn good summary. Hell yeah. I wrote that last night in like good for two you. minutes. Good for you. Yeah. There were, I mean, <clears throat> if I could put on my editor cap for a moment, <laughs> there was one really long sentence in there, but it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of commas. And... Yeah, it's got commas and little M dashes. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, you probably had to take a big old breath <gasps> in the middle of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After it's running out of breath like Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> what does she do? Is she known for that? She, she doesn't have great breath control, and you'll notice that sometimes she'll take a big breath in the middle of a phrase. My husband is a former singer-songwriter, and uh, he is like, listen to that! Look! Can't do you? Ha! So, you know, she's I'm... not exactly a swimmer's lung sort of girl, but if you listen to her music, now I'm sorry for ruining Taylor Swift for you well, and that, anyone out there That ship listeners. has already sailed because... <laughs> I mean, I like her just fine and all, but you didn't. The, she was not upon a pedestal that she has now been knocked from. Right, so right, right, right. It's all good. Right. It's all good. Well, I just greased up that pedestal that she might have been trying <laughs> to climb with my critique of her. I, I mean, listen, Swifties, don't come after me. Just, it's the <laughs> truth. All right. Plus, Sorry. there's so many of you, and there's just only a couple of us. So, like, you're, you're oh no, safety oh, no. in numbers. Did we just? Oh, I, I might have just like riled up Swifty Twitter. That's all right, whatever. Well, you know, we we've could use got, some. We've got mutant fam. Yeah, like no I, I think we can take press. them. We can take them. You know, <laughs> we we have weapons and we know how to use them. So, Ooh. oh, but I'm not promoting violence. That no. was totally just kind of rhetorical. We have verbal weapons and yes. rhetorical weapons. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Okay, so um, you had a little note at the end of the plot summary. I didn't know if you wanted to read that. Uh, oh, actually, I'm going to hold off on that one. Oh, okay, just because I. Want 
wanted to I wanted to touch on um, kind of some of the linkages that Robin made um, mm-hmm. as we were talking to her about why this film was a good choice for her letter about self care, and I wanted to mention also that Carrie. Um, 1970, oh my god, I'm so terrible. 78, Carrie. Anyway, Brian De Palma's classic. Um, that was... Is that really De Palma? It was De Palma, yeah. Um, that was a potential other film we would have discussed, uh-huh. but we collectively decided, oh my gosh, Carrie's just been discussed so much. Right, right. Let's, let's do The Witch, yeah. and I'm really glad we did. But what Robin offered... Is you talked about, you know, like this is with the witch, you've got a female lead, uh, Thomason, mm-hmm. um, who isn't putting herself first, um, but she's starting to become more self aware and ultimately make choices for herself based on what she wants. Now that that comes pretty much at the end of the film, you know, making making mm-hmm. a big a big mm-hmm. choice for yourself, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, and she also mentioned, Robin also mentions, you know, characters that transform by putting their needs above the needs of their family members. And mm-hmm. one thing I did want to mention here, I mean, we are talking about, you know, Puritan America. Right. We're talking about 1600, whatever, 1700. And, you know... The choices they had back then and the choices we have now, we're talking about two completely different universes. Right, yeah. So we're not talking about people who, for the most part, were even thinking in terms of themselves probably as individuals. I mean, it was all about the community, the church, the Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a little, we have, you know, always have to keep that, in mind that we don't apply too much of an anachronistic, like, you know, what we have today. But, but right. still, but still, I mean, you definitely can see why this film is a good choice. Right. Um, and, I mean, Thomason being our main character, um, she she's a very young teenager. They mm-hmm. said, uh, you know... Her mother, Catherine, at one point in the movie says, well, she's shown her signs of womanhood. So yes. she's gotten her period, yeah. right? She's had menarche. Um, menarche? Yeah, that's the term for getting your first period. It is? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard that term before. Oh, yeah. Is menarche, is that a noun or a verb or a... It is... A noun. Okay, so yeah, it yeah. is the state of... Yeah, uh, like <laughs> you have achieved maturity, womanly maturity. Wow. You've gotten your first period, you can technically carry a baby, whatever. Right. Um, and uh, Catherine, because of Thomason's monarch, I may be saying that wrong, I've only read it, not actually heard it being said, uh, but... Catherine's like, well, she's got to leave the house. She's got to go work as a servant for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that for Thomason is both a, like, I'm sure it would be a relief to her uh, to, like, be able to go back to the plantation, be able to go back to the community. Mm -hmm. But then it's also like, but I love my family and I don't want to leave them. Right. So there's that like st- struggle and conflict within her, um, and really, 
she's, I mean, maybe 13, right? I, and I wonder how old is this actress in real life? Because she look, you know, I feel like she's older than the character she's portraying. Oh, yeah. She looks so young. I mean, she, just, they do such a good job of, you know, portraying, there's there's a physical innocence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that just is reflected in their little cherub faces, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's that's really sweet. Um, and I wonder, oh, yeah, go Sorry, ahead. at the beginning of the movie, there, you, you kind of, they kind of set up the, um, the relationship between Thomason and her brother Samuel, who's only like a few years younger than her. Oh, you mean Caleb? Caleb, yeah, 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 yeah Caleb. Yeah. Sorry. Um, they kind of set up the relationship where everybody, like, they've been judged. Leave the uh, the father, at least uh, William, William has to leave the plantation, and he says, "Well, Catherine, come with me." And then everybody else files out, and Caleb is like. Hey, Thomason, come on. And Thomason's already like, I don't want to leave. Like, what if, What is happening? Like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, my whole life is going to be upended. Yeah, so. and there's so much that just plays on her face. I, I, would, I don't know the name of this actress, but she, would, she was really amazing. Yeah. She, she was, was really amazing. And I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show that this is not, you know, your typical final girl movie choice. She definitely is one. And where was I going with that? Oh, the fact that have we seen, I am wondering, because I have not done a survey of film, but have we seen a movie with this kind of subject matter where you do have a, you really do have a truly strong female lead. I'm, I, I hear those words coming out of my mouth, a truly strong female <laughs> lead. Just just edit me, okay? Because right. I'm not sure how I feel about what I just said. But I think you get where I'm going. It, it's, it's. I mean, she she is the lead. She, she is the lead. Um, mm-hmm. It's really her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder how many films have covered this subject matter in the past... I don't know, 20 years where maybe the female lead was as she is in this. I don't know. I could be, um, like if, uh, the movie that keeps coming to mind for me as a, um, as a comparison or a foil for this is The Village. M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Oh, that's a great choice. And I kept thinking of The Village when I when we started watching this movie because it's set up in the same spot, like in in this it has the same feeling. It's in the same timeline. We think, and so I was kind of waiting in The Witch for that turn for it to be like. Nope, this is all modern day, and she's gonna go out and find the thing. But um, the <laughs> yeah, she's gonna go out to a road, and some guy's gonna you yeah, know pick her pick up, her up. truck. <laughs> yeah, um, but we never get that. Yeah, and I did have that thought while watching this film. Like, okay, it's twenty fifteen. What is it about? I mean, it, it was released in 2015, so it would have been made in 2014. Mm-hmm. At, at the earliest, sometimes films, you know, sit on the shelf. So, 
what what is it about this time that we needed another Puritan story? Right. Um, that the Crucible couldn't do for us. Right, right. Because that's the film I thought about mm-hmm. the most. And <laughs> leave me my name. I'll never have another in my life. Oh God, that movie makes me cry. It, like not in a good way, or right, or what? <laughs> uh, both. Um, no, the Daniel Day Lewis, uh, Winona Ryder yeah. version. Yeah. God, it just like Daniel Day Lewis. That final thing, I cannot. I could start there. I could start at that final scene. And just spend the entire time bawling. It has been so long since I've seen that that I don't I don't even remember. But I mean, just it feels like it has been a while since we have had a film like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, okay, so a yeah. film like this being like a period piece with an ambiguous moral. Uh, lesson in it um yeah and the fact that you don't well and this is the thing about horror films if you are watching a horror film or just something that you know has got a lot of suspense and dread then as this gets into point of view this gets into the kind of privileged position of the viewer you're just more likely to be sold right from the very beginning like uh no this isn't just fucking bad luck there's a witch mm-hmm, <laughs> you know mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. i mean although i think you you have you that's pers- the fact that there's there's something really amiss i mean the, the fact that that the infant samuel the way that he disappears so right. it's at the beginning of the film Thomason is playing like this peekaboo game. She's covering her eyes. And you know, you know, third time she uncovers her eyes and looks down at that little basket that he's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's just gone, gone. Yeah. Um, and then she immediately, or, you know, the camera shot immediately goes up to the wood. Mm-hmm. And you just have this very, very sinister feeling. Which is followed immediately... Or, yeah, immediately by the witch running through the wood with the baby. Oh, hell yeah. Like, and I then forgot that. You know right away. dismembering the baby, grinding the baby up, and... Rubbing baby baby parts. Baby bits, yeah. Baby bits all over her... You know, sometimes the... Well, no, no. That was a female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there was a moment where it's like, is this a female presence or male? But then, like, I mean, you see, like, side boob. Right, right. Which side boob, so. (laughs) Which is not, you know... Elongated. Yeah, very elongated. Elongated and wrinkly side boob. (laughs) Um, Not that that there's anything wrong with that. No, no. Because that just means you've lived a long, full life. Yeah, yeah. Swinging titties. Um, just letting them... F- Sorry. Now, one thing... Okay, so I'll say... That, am I interrupting your next thought if I say this? No. Go. Okay, so this kind... Okay, what I'm about to say, I think, ties into one of the themes for me that jumped out about Robin's letter and linked to the film. So, from the title credits, the film announces itself as a New England folktale. So, it's right. like The Witch, a New England folktale. So, I'm always 
I love it when art does this. It calls attention to its own form. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you will see, you know, you will see books and they will, it will be blah, blah, blah title, a novel. Right. And I think that there's, there are many, there are many reasons, you know, why a writer may choose to do that. Um, in relation to our topic, it imme- the, the word that immediately jumped to mind was narrative. Mm-hmm. So, in when I think about Robin's letter, and when I think about the movie, I think there's there's so many different. Nar- I mean, life is life is story. Life is narrative. Mm-hmm. We tell ourselves stories about mm-hmm. ourselves and other people. Other people do the same, and tell stories about us, mm-hmm. to us, to themselves. In this, and, and that ties very much into self-care and mm-hmm. why we need it and what we need and why we need what we need, mm-hmm. who's in our life and what, you know, just those just those interwoven narratives that we mm-hmm. all have with one another. And that is all throughout this film. There are, it's just story after story after story after story about what has happened, why it's happened, who's who's responsible. There's like a shifting Mm -hmm. narrative Mm -hmm. about who's to blame, what's to blame, Mm -hmm. who did what, who's guilty. And um, that that really jumped out at me as a major theme. And I can get into some some specific examples, but I just wanted to pause there for any, you know, if you want to riff on that or what. Um... Yeah, so um, I think in, um, in, I don't know, maybe, so you found narratives and stories, and I found triangulation that i think they're those are related too but tell me more about tell me more about so when like the the i don't know psychological idea or the inter sociological idea of triangulation the um the concept really if you talk about it in a family mom and dad have problems but mom and dad talk about their problems through a child Mm. and the child becomes then either a representative of the problem or uh, a distraction from the problem or as a um as just uh, allows the the two parents to not look at their own problems but to uh, to worry about something else and to uh, and there's a danger in that when the with our self-care, with our um, uh, with our relationships with other people is that um, you, when you are so focused on something outside of yourself or outside of your relationship or outside of the the root of the problem, you're never going to look at the root of the problem and you're always going to say, well, this is to blame and you'll get rid of that thing and 
the problem is still there. So you're going to find another thing to blame. So, you know, crying baby Samuel, she, he gets lost. Well, okay, let's start blaming Thomason for everything. Um, Let's, and then uh, Thomason and Caleb within themselves, their relationship, they're not talking about some of the creepy uh, incest sort of things that are happening. And so they start talking about Mercy and her deal with the witch. Um, Then, you know, the whole family is like, once they get into a group, oh my God, maybe it's not us. Maybe it actually is a witch. But then they're blaming one another. The witch has gotten to you. The witch has gotten to you. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the danger in that is that we, I think going off of your thing, the narrative, we tell ourselves so many stories that the stories start to pad the problem. And they become, they gain a truth that they don't necessarily deserve because uh-huh. it is very difficult. <laughs> they start to grow legs. They do. They grow. They're like so many legs, yeah. like some kind <laughs> of mutant. Yes. <laughs> so this reminds me. It is so difficult. I mean, that what this brings up for me is also in, re- in relation to Robin's talk, uh, Robin's letter, and the topic of self care is how much self self talk uh-huh. is a huge part of this. So, I don't know. I'm thinking now I don't know how much of this Well, there's a lot of it in the film because while you you know, you're not hearing characters having interior monologues, I mean, what they're saying to one another is a reflection of mm-hmm. their thought like this thought process gone amuck, right. you right. know. And trying to find someone to blame for mm-hmm. these terrible things that are happening. So it is extremely difficult to recognize when you are engaging in storytelling, whether it be about yourself or other people. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. And this has to do with like presence. You know, Robin asked, what can I do to ensure more self-care time happens even in this crazy, hectic day-to-day? And part of it is like that, I mean, it sounds cliched, but being in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if you're, if you are more, the more in the moment you can be, the more likely you are to be aware of that self-talk, to be able to, to challenge it as it arises to challenge narrative, to challenge the, your narratives mm-hmm. and other people's narratives about you, because I'm all about cha- challenging that too. Mm-hmm. Um, to know when it's like, you know, this doesn't feel good and this doesn't feel right and this doesn't resonate, you know, these things that are being past as truths mm-hmm. and these theories about who we are and why we are and what we are. And um, I had read something recently. I, I, I came across this uh, Indian philosopher, and actually, I've known about him. I've known about him for a long time. I was encouraged to read him many years ago. Tried 
many times over the years couldn't quite get there anyway. So his, his name is Krishnamurti. And he talks about, instead of using the word narrative, he uses the word image, that we relate to one another primarily through the, not, not really relating directly to one another, but we are primarily relating to one another and ourselves through a series of images. Mm -hmm. And it's those images that have relationships with one another more often than not we as people don't actually have relationships with one another. It's our images and our ideas mm -hmm. of ourselves and each other that have the relationships. And he's basically like, when you have that, you know, he doesn't say it this way, but shit is going to go off the rails. Right. Because you really, you, you've lost that primacy. Right. Um, because, and, and a lot has been said about this too, that we're, we're often either living in the past or the future that's where anxiety and problems live. Yeah. <laughs> Not, you know, it, I've, I've uh -huh. heard many times, and I've used this myself, you ask yourself the question, especially if you feel anxious, you ask yourself, do I actually have a problem right now in this moment? Mm -hmm. In this moment, do I have a problem? Nine times out of ten, you will be able to feel like, no, you'll be able to answer no, because right. you're, you have pushed out those past thoughts and those, and those forward, future worries yeah, and, yeah yeah um of course they've got you know speaking of worries i mean this family is struggling to physically survive so they've got a lot they've got a lot to grapple and right. contend with right um i think that's a good time for us to take a break for yes. a, a little commercial little pause yeah sounds good Hey guys, Dear Final Girl is one of 10 sponsors participating in Horror Bowl 2020, where Mutant Fam votes on its favorite horror franchises. It all culminates in the actual Horror Bowl on February 1st, which is a day full of live programming that includes cooking demonstrations, podcasts, including one from Dear Final Girl, and... That's us. That is us. And live tweeting of the franchises and films that actually make it to the championship. So follow hashtag Horror Bowl 2020 to vote every Thursday through Saturday. And in we, January. In January. And we look forward to you making your voices heard. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Hey everybody, Dear Final Girl is one of 10 sponsors participating in Horror Bowl 2020, where Mutant Fam votes on their favorite horror franchises. It all culminates in the actual Horror Bowl on February 1st, which is a day full of live programming that includes cooking demonstrations, podcasts. That's us. Yep. And live tweeting of the films that make it to the championship final. Just follow... Horror Bowl 2020. That is right. To vote every Thursday through Saturday in, in January. January. In January. And let your voices be heard. Hey, 
Hey everybody, wanted to take a brief commercial break to introduce you to, oh, listen to those soothing sounds. Ooh. Those are the soothing sounds of the True Love app. It's a wonderful app for self-care that you can download from anywhere that you get your favorite apps. And this was recommended to us by Robin herself. Um, we are covering her letter this week and putting some kind attention to our, our dear friend and mutant fam. So check out this app for great self-care. Again, it's called True Love. Bye. Welcome back. Yes. Uh, I, you know, think we a little bio break. And, yes, bio um, break. I dried my hair partially. Um, oh, because I'm I was getting cold. a little chill. I was yeah. chill. I got myself a little cardigan on now. Mm, yeah. I'm very... Double wish, cardigans in yeah, here. I wish y'all could see us because we look stunning. Oh, yeah. Just absolutely. so you know. I put on mascara this morning. I haven't even made it that far yet. But you look stunning. Thank you. Look you look gorgeous. Thank you. Uh, cool. So when, when we left off, Laurie was talking about self-talk and the stories that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. and Krishna Murdy mm-hmm. and how he talks about the, that we don't actually talk to a person. We talk to an image of a person, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that that is really poignant. The idea of self-talk, the idea of seeing into one of the characters' narratives in The Witch the person that we see that the most is Caleb. And I think mm-hmm. Caleb is an under... Maybe he's not. I don't know. Um, he is really important in the story um, because when he goes out to check the traps with his dad, the snares with his dad... Uh, as they're walking, they talk through this Calvinist catechism. Yes. And uh, William asks, can you tell me your corrupt nature? And uh, Caleb says, well, my corrupt nature is bent unto sin, da, 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 da. So he's, he's talking, he's speaking through this catechism that he's learned at church, probably is like, some of the only education that they actually get, you know, Puritans read the Bible and only the Bible. Right. Um, so, but also the, the Puritan doctrine of predestination (coughs) says that some people are bent unto sin and going to hell and some people are going to heaven. And that's why William at one point says it would, I can't tell you, if your little brother is in hell and I can't tell you if you're going to hell because the only person, the only thing that knows that is God. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to live in a way that's good, maybe. Right. So then the stories that Caleb tells himself are that he is bent unto sin, that he is, bent unto sin like that he is destined to be a sinner and that possibly he is destined to go to hell and so i saw this sort of you see it play out in how he acts with 
Thomason when he's like looking at her barely exposed boobies. Um, there's a there's right. a lot of Thomason's boobs um, featured in this, especially when Samuel is around and sort of looking at them. When like Dad, and Caleb, and, you make me. Yeah, 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 Caleb. Why do I keep saying Samuel? I don't know. Um, you like that name better, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, the you know she's like I feel like the camera sort of takes on the view viewpoint of a particular character whenever we're seeing parts of the family. Um, hmm. So like when we're seeing it from Caleb's perspective, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of boobs. Yeah. Um, and certainly enough. I mean, it's, and you know, it's, they're, they're coming of age. Right, 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 right. Yeah. There's a little bit of flowers in the each attic other. here. <laughs> they're only around each other. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, but when you were talking about, like, anxiety and uh, how our problems are often in the future or the past, Caleb is doing that. His anxieties are, will I go to hell? Or has Samuel gone to hell? Yes, he's very worried about his baby brother. Yeah. And so... I feel like some of Caleb's bewitching, right? He actually does get witched, right? Yes. He gets taken in by the witch, but he walks right into her arms. And I wonder if his self-talk, I am bad, I am bent unto sin, I am, you know, she kind of pulls up her dress as she steps in into the doorway and her her boobs are just like way out there spilling yeah and so i wonder if some of that you know caleb walking into the arms of the witch isn't his well i'm a bad person and i'm gonna do bad things so let's you know, this Let's is get to doing them. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is just who I am, you know, maybe. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not, sh I'm not sh sure it could, it could be he, maybe he is the most vulnerable mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because of everything that you just mentioned. And so how much of it is him because of that vulnerability and he's very much in the narrative of sin and the mm -hmm. sin of his potential that his little baby brother, his infant baby brother, uh, could go to hell. Makes him vulnerable. And at what point, you know, like, are you just, you're, you're chicken or the egg. You're witched. Why were you witched? Is it because you are more vulnerable to being so? Or you once you fall under that force... You're you're under it regardless of who you are, right? What you thought, <clears throat> and this this I loved the example you gave about you know the father asking Caleb you know tell me the story of your sin, mm -hmm. and you know he's praised you know the father praises Caleb you know you really you know your lessons my son or whatever right. he says, mm -hmm. but it's just, you know the way that he the way that Caleb repeats the story you know it just has this rote quality about it it's like when you're asked to memorize something in class 
tell me this. Well, we are born into sin and this, and then we, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then I think, oh, gosh, that ro- where that roteness, that it comes through repetition. Mm-hmm. Your times tables. Yes, yes. Two times one is two. Two times three, or two times two is four. Two times three is six. Two yes. times four is eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well. it's tied very much into the stories that we tell ourselves and how easily they become, we repeat them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that repetition is how you memorize, but anything that you repeat to yourself becomes your narrative. Yes. And it becomes harder and harder to question. And I'm fascinated by how quickly, when we start telling ourselves something, how quickly it can become true and it can become... It can be as if it was always there. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. how how quickly we latch on to something. And you know, when we do that, it is theoretically a cope as as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. But what we choose to help us cope can be like the worst thing. For us, then I think that's where that roteness comes in. <clears throat> we have these established mental patterns, and the mind then simply wants to find more of what mm-hmm. is already ingrained. Get, keep feeding me the things that look like the way my mind is already working because those must be good right because they're like in tr- like they're right. part of our system now well this is okay is it, i'm gonna try to keep this as apolitical as possible but this is why uh they, they talk about this in our current political climate where things are so divided you're never going to convince someone that their their side of the story is wrong with um uh, with the facts, you know, the facts from our side are these things and they, there are facts from the other side as that are the narrative of the other side. And just by providing the narrative of the other side, you're never going to convince. You actually have to find other ways to, to speak to one another upon common ground and then branch out from there. And that's why they say, like, you know, with politics or in anything where there's divergent viewpoints, that we, you know, if you're if you're more liberal in your politics, you're going to watch MSNBC. And that you're going to be daily comforted by the things that you already believe and cherish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same with Fox. And that's why, you know, they, we are encouraged to, like, look... Okay, if you watch MSNBC, watch some Fox or vice versa. Get at least listen and hear. Right. You know, it's not that you're tuning into truth necessarily. Right. But you are saying, okay, I'm going to allow space in my mind for an alternate narrative because right. that's just kind of a good thing to do. You, it, it's, it's, it keeps your mind flexible. So this actually makes me think of, in, in a, you know, uh, a therapy context, um, when, uh, before our first child was born, our current only child, <laughs> before our child was born, 
Um, my husband and I decided to go to um, uh, marriage counseling. We are both people who um, value talk therapy, yeah. um, but we also value communication with one another. And yes. it's not always something that is that we're good at. And so we went to see this therapist who specialized in, you know, basically she she has a format for how you learn to talk to your partner. Um, and it's like mirroring and restating the issue and, you know, talking through it. And that to me feels like the same sort of thing that it when you have two opposing viewpoints in a relationship you have to find that common ground and even if that common ground is what i hear you saying is this right so that we understand like the our common ground is these are the things that were said just now um i feel like in the context of this movie like there there are opposing viewpoints between William and Catherine you know William's like we have to move on in order to survive we yes. have to do other things in order to survive I fear you are thinking you're dwelling too much that's exactly upon this where affliction. I was going yep. <laughs> yes and Catherine is like my child is gone. Mm-hmm. Our child is gone. And so they're not allowing one another space for their priorities. Um, and I feel like Catherine never even confronts William on the uh, silver cup issue. Does she does she ever say William like we got to talk about you selling off my father's silver cup? You know, the intro, if I were remembering this correctly, I think the reason they don't linger on it is because she he confesses about the silver cup. And then she immediately, and this is the only time in the movie that she does this, she says, I must also make a confession. Right. And that this is one of the few times she's ever really not just like, we're fucking doomed. You right, know? right. The curse has fallen upon us. Right. And... God, she <laughs> is like, she is 100% projection. Yeah. But she her confession is... And it, in its own way, it's very touching. She is saying to him, I never meant to harden my heart against you. Mm-hmm. She basically says, I have become a shrew. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she just flat out says, I have become a shrew. And I never meant to become a shrew. My heart has been hardened right. by this by the loss of of our son. But also weirdly because I was so in love with Jesus that I never I don't think any man could live up to my love for Jesus. Yeah. And I I there yeah, there was that component as well. So Sorry, maybe I gotta recompose my face because my like full confusion <laughs> like that was a little like <clears throat> alright, so you <laughs> 
Okay. But very much a reflection of the time. And mm-hmm. I can... I, okay, here's where I want to... I'm going to challenge myself. Or I'm going to challenge myself because I had a similar cringy moment. Yeah. Um, early on, uh, very early in the film, Thomason is confessing her transgressions. Right. And my first thought was like, oh, God, like, thank God. You know, we don't live... We, we did not we were not born into a time where that that's just like how you think like it is wired in you like I just like oh thank God because ick just ick nasty and then I thought to myself oh my god we still do this the form of it now is the negative self-talk uh-huh it's the same thing we are most of us I mean especially as women let's just say that mm-hmm. right? especially as women you are tracking your transgressions, quote unquote, mm-hmm. minute by minute, like you've got a book. I mean, your brain is that book. And everything you think you're doing wrong and you didn't respond the way you wanted to and was I harsh there? Right. And did I treat that person fairly? And um, we're do- we are doing, mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. doing that. What Thomas, her, her confessions... We're doing that. Yeah. We and are the same, doing you know, yeah, playing over, you know, what you would have said. Yes. That's, I mean, gosh, that's, that's a really good point. That yeah. That's a really good point. And what it tied into for me was back to the issue of self-care and that we may unwittingly increase our own need for self-care because of kind of like what we're doing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, hey, look, it's easy to do. We all do it every day. This ties back into the narrative, the stories that mm-hmm. we're telling ourselves about how, and really it's just like how, how, go- how good we're supposed to be. And are we good enough? And are we doing enough? And this ties back to... Am I busy enough? Am I, you know, am I getting it all done? I, you know? Right. And so we can unwittingly increase the burden of self-care because we're just, we're piling on ourselves uh-huh. all the time. It's very hard to stop that train. Yeah. You know, it just, it just happens. Yeah. And I think, you know, you spoke a little bit earlier about um, mindfulness, and I wrote down cr- yeah. having a critical eye on your self-talk. Um, so that meditation group that I went to, um, used to go to anyways, um, you know, part, it was a Buddhist-ish um, meditation group. Buddhish? Yeah, Buddhish, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, like, mindfulness and meditation are things that a lot of people don't really understand or people are like, oh, I can't meditate. You think you have to be special to do it. Like, oh, yeah. I've got to... Yeah. Well, and yeah, and I... Well, I just can't empty my mind. The The point of meditation and the point of mindfulness is not to empty your mind. Like, nobody is ever going to have just a, a crystal clear blue sky inside their head because that's not how our brains are built. But mindfulness, especially in the form of meditation, is recognizing that your thoughts and feelings are not your core self. Right. And that thoughts and feelings come and go and that you can 
name them, sometimes by naming your thought or feeling, you are able to separate yourself from it. I am feeling angry. Not I am angry. Mm -hmm. I am feeling angry. Yes. I think this has to do with... um, I always thought it was so stupid in health class when they're like, huh, I statements. You know, learn to communicate with people in I statements. I feel like this. Um, But it's really helpful to not say... You're mean. Right. But or I'm being mean. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm being in, in a the, bitch. In the course you know? of self talk, yeah. Uh I'm a bitch. No, I'm feeling angry because of A, B, right. or C, and so therefore I have these options for uh sorry, my computer went to sleep. I have these options for um for dealing with the situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that when you do this enough, and I really, I want people to hear this because, you know, you, you don't have to, mindfulness is just, it's just the, it's just the, the, the ability and, and, and it may start out only a little bit each day. It can grow over time. Mm-hmm. It's just the ability to basically just stop. Mm-hmm. Just, just stop whatever flow you're in, particularly mm-hmm. if the negative thoughts are there. It's just the, the, the ability to just stop, even if for a moment, mm-hmm. um, to stop that, that tape mm-hmm. from playing. <clears throat> and I think that... I'm going to say this, and this is something that has helped me. Oh, okay. And I am not saying... I thought you were going to say something really controversial, and so I was like, well, ready I myself for it? Well, I think it might be. Ooh, yay. I think I'm going to caveat <laughs> it right up front. Okay. okay, here's what I'm going to say. So there are a couple things that I... There's this idea of surrender mm-hmm. that can be very difficult but I have found myself increasingly surrendering. Mm-hmm. Surrendering to whatever is, and even surrendering to the flow of my own thoughts because they're constantly changing. So it's, it's like that flow is just going to happen. It just is. Right. So now surrendering, especially within in the context of like this Puritan, (laughs) you know, and also just religious, you know, I mean, there can there can be a lot about surrendering that's tied into like fundamentalist Christianity. That Mm -hmm. and that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm talking about. That's Mm -hmm. sort of the thing that could be controversial. I'm not. I'm I'm not advocating for passivity. Right. I'm not advocating for dogma or anything like that. And if it makes people feel more comfortable, I remember telling I, when I sometimes I'm, I'm I'm in moments where I just feel like there is like a boxing match going on inside me right now, and I can feel it wearing me out. Uh huh. And. I don't know if I came across this in a movie or what, but I just started telling myself, "Go limp." Oh. Just go limp, like basically drop it, like uh-huh. drop it, everything right now. Just and and then it happens in your body too, right? It's just this way of being like done. No, stop. Like right now, just go limp, go limp. Uh-huh. 
it is stopping all forms of resistance. And it can be resistance to a negative, even it can even be a resistance to a negative thought you're having that you want to stop. But even going be like, stop it. You know, that whole thought of stop. That right. it, When you're replaying that stupid <clears throat> thing you said one time 15 years ago, yeah. and you feel your shoulders hunching up Ooh, around your knee, I mean, yes. around your, that happened to me this morning. I was like, I don't know, I was making peanut butter bread for Sebastian and like, you know, and da, 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 you know, felt my shoulders creep up. <laughs> but I, I do the same thing. And actually, instead of saying go lip, I verbalize like, ha da 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 But like, you know, trying to shut it down. And, and but shutting it down in a way that doesn't create the same kind of tension in your body. Because right. even if you tell yourself, stop, like, don't, like, quit thinking that. I'm tensing just, <laughs> so it's just sort of like that, go limp, that, or making, you know, la, la, uh-huh. la, la, just doing something that is, you're kind of, you're honoring the flow of what's happening mm-hmm. um, without, like, staying in that clench mode, you know. And, <laughs> and what it also does is that it breaks the rumination, Yes. Because I think that there's a point where in rumination uh, where everybody realizes they're doing it and you have the choice at that point of realization. Okay, I don't necessarily agree with this and maybe this isn't the right story and you can take another turn. Or you can continue to run that feedback loop. Mm-hmm. And I think in the, in, the, in the movie, you know, if Caleb is our negative self-talk person, he has no other option. He, he, is, he is the feedback loop. And that feedback loop, <clears throat> maybe he breaks it. At the end, when he, like, finds the light of Jesus right before he dies. But I, I'm I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure either because I thought, like, no, like, he was, because the mother was saying, no, sometimes the devil will speak in sermon. I'm like, I, he can't even fucking be saved. I mean, come on. Right, right, right. But then he does come back as, you know, like, mother. We would visit with the oft mother. Uh, Please yeah. look upon this book that I have brought, mother. <laughs> also, and take clearly, the baby, and the baby's hungry, and he's a raven. Ooh, and yeah. I, you know, I thought last night, and I <laughs> was like, part. "That's that's the um, you know, there's a there's a point in the movie, and um, if you haven't seen it, sorry, um, <laughs> too bad. Uh, there's a point in the movie where uh, Catherine has lost has." Or Caleb has brought lost little Samuel back to him, you know, whether as hallucinations or not. Right. Which I don't think they are because Catherine's boob is bloody the next day. Right. And Catherine's like, oh, little Samuel's hungry. And she Let like... nurse. Yeah. Um, also, this actress is in Game of Thrones and she nurses a grown son 
like a nine-year-old son in Game of Thrones. Ew. So I was like, God, this lady loves to the, the breastfeeding part. Yeah, she's been typecast as an inappropriate <laughs> breastfeeder. She's been she's been Ravenhold. Ooh, pigeonhole. Gross. Ravenhold, which... <laughs> yeah, because that's what happens is that we we see that instead of it being little Samuel feeding it's a raven pecking at her bared breast which and she is a cackling and appears to be enjoying oh yeah yeah which uh to each his own well what i said to max was that it's an accurate representation of breastfeeding (laughs) that it's like you know you know you it actually breast I'm going to get too far into this, but breastfeeding actually produces endorphins because your body's like, yes, this is a good thing. And evolution is like, yes, this is a good thing. Feed your kid. Yeah. Uh, even if he's gnawing on you. Yeah. Even if he's gnawing on you, even if, <laughs> yeah, even if the child is gnawing on you, even if like your nipples are chapped and bleeding and whatever, like anyways, um, but your body's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Which, that's good. Uh, that's good. Mm, so, I don't know where we were going with that. Uh, me either. So uh, one thing, you know, talking about the going limp. Um, oh, yeah. Is, so th- this might be a good note to end on. But please feel free <laughs> to wrap up with whatever. But um, so Thomason does this like kind of twice. So. Her mother, I mean, after that breastfeeding, is she is just, she's always been suspicious of Thomas, and you get a sense that their relationship was probably already troubled, but definitely once they're expelled from the community, and she just, just it's so easy for her to just suspect Thomason. Right. And believe she's the cause. So at the end, I mean, the mother is just going nuts. She is cursing Thomason, attacking her. And Thomason is still just saying, I love you. I Uh love you. uh She, I was very touched by that. Now, immediately after, she does have to cut a bitch. Yeah. Because mom physically attacks her and is trying to kill her because she's witched at that point. Yeah. She's under the influence. And Thomason has to basically smite her multiple times with this. With the narrow axe. Blood, the narrow axe. And the we narrow. Just talked about at the beginning. Yeah, the I narrow axe. About that. Is that in the song? I think <clears throat> the, uh, the Black Philip, Black Philip, da 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 da, chop off his head with the narrow axe. Nah, 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 nah. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. Sorry, I wrote that down at some point, and <laughs> so. So sometimes you have to go limp, and other times you just have to, you have to smite. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, um, I think that... So we talked a lot today about mindfulness, turning a critical eye on self-talk, um, under, like, trying to pull back from the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um and, and being able to reject other people's stories about you. Yeah. If they're just not, they're just not true. So what's your prescription for Robin? I think you just kind of named the things. I think, you know, all those things you just named, the mindfulness, being aware of the stories we're telling ourselves, being aware of the stories others are telling, mm-hmm. being able to... Um, 
in a way that shows kindness to ourselves and others halt those narratives, mm-hmm. whether it be a literal conversation or, or you know, a continuation of our self-talk in a more positive direction. Right. Um, being able to, you know, finding moments of surrender, you know. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think everything you ju- just said and maybe something I just added there, that, that is the what can I, back to her question, what can I do to ensure more self-care time happens even in this crazy, hectic day-to-day. And I think another thing I want to say about that, it just popped out to me. Mm-hmm. What can I do to ensure more self-care time happens? That suggests to me, and I don't know if this is what Robin intended, but it suggests to me um, an idea of like designated times during the day where we do this thing. Right. I think... The strategy is that it is an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. Because if we think of it in terms of we have to carve out this time for self-care, it is just another thing on your list of things to do, which make you feel like you're not doing enough, which then in turn increases your need, your feeling that you really need more self-care. Right. So I think not fragmenting that need as a something that needs a dedicated it's just it is every moment it is it is every moment which is really hard for some people so well i have two things uh you talked about uh understanding our stories about other people something that really uh helps me and i did not make this up but you know when I start to get mad about how somebody's treating me or, you know, the way something is going or, you know, God, it's always customer service, right? You think that you should be treated in a certain way and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Coming to it from a perspective of maybe everybody is just doing their best. Yes. Maybe everybody, maybe this person is... They could be having a bad day, and they're just doing their best right now, and you don't know their life. Right. Um, it's that quote. It's like, be kind. Everyone you know is is waging through. some private war. Right. You know. Right. Um, and then for myself, this is what I have started doing. So um, I have... Um, I guess we can announce it. So I am pregnant. Yay! Yay! Um, I'm 15 weeks pregnant. I'm going to have a little girl. Yay! Yay! A little final girl. I think you should name her Lori. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't even mean that. Like, I would never really put my friend friend on this. Oh, my. Yes. Maybe I'll name her Thomason. You need to look at some final girl names. Ooh, yeah. Also, like, Thomason's name has the word sin in it. So, like. Oh. I never okay. thought about that. Okay, yeah. That drives me nuts, and it was a little, <laughs> it's a little heavy-handed. But, okay, so um, because I'm pregnant, with my first pregnancy, I struggled with gestational diabetes. Um, not struggled with it, actually, because I was able to manage it for the most part. I'm talking really fast. Um, I was able to manage it for the most part with diet and exercise. Um, I'm managing the, my... Uh, potential gestational diabetes pretty well right now with diet and exercise. 
but one of the things is that my fasting blood sugar, so my overnight blood sugar, gets higher than they want it to be. Okay. And what I have found is that if I set my alarm to wake up at 5 a.m., that's before I would normally like kind of start to stir. Mm-hmm. And if I leave my phone in my bedroom, then I will pick up my phone and start checking Twitter first thing. Um, and then I'll spend half an hour in the bed. I can feel myself getting hungry. My blood sugar rises, whatever. So for health reasons, for physical health reasons, I have to get out of bed at 5 a.m. and start making myself breakfast. Yeah. Check, check my blood sugar, start making myself breakfast. So what I'm doing for like my resolution, which isn't really a resolution, but I am, now I have all this time between when I get up and when the rest of the family is ready to get up. And so, God, check your watches. It only took us an hour, but uh, I journal, Mm -hmm. uh, make my food, right? Journal. And then I'm taking some time to meditate. Because I found that that really helped me with my first birth. And I had kind of like let it go mm-hmm. once Sebastian was born. So like I'm, I, that's something that's going to help me. But uh, you can make a choice to do some of these practices if it's important to you. Yes. But if that's too much, you know, the like not everybody has a physical reason to get out of bed an hour and a half before they normally would, <coughs> right? Right. So, but you can set alarms throughout the day. Mm, that's a great idea. That are just like little mindfulness alarms, right? And instead of it being like, well, when my alarm goes off, I'm going to sit down and meditate for 15 minutes. Because that life just doesn't let you do that, right? Right. But you can set alarms to, when your alarm goes off, you feel your toes. How do my toes feel right now? Wiggle them. Yeah. Wiggle them. And that, that is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I'm is. stopping what I'm doing. My alarm went off. What are my toes doing? How are my feet? What's my posture like? You know, things like that right. that kind of... And the thing is, it's small. Those are small things. Yeah, and sm- small things are where you start. Yes, and really it's where you live because you can... <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, yeah. really. Because you can only... It's like multitasking. You can only ever really do one thing at a time. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. that could be a whole... Maybe, hey, if, if a... If a a person listening who hasn't written to us yet. Ah. Oh, anybody struggling out there with like multitasking? That would be a good. Mm-hmm. That would be a good topic. We might. I might even write my own letter and <laughs> cover that one. But anyway, so I think this has been. We, so we, as you guys, are, you know, may recall, we we earlier we had a commercial break. Uh-huh. And what I wanted to end with is part of that commercial break is um, Robin herself has recently turned me and Kim on to a self-care app. Ooh. So um, that's, that's, you know, there's a, there are a lot of apps out there that can help you. Mm-hmm. What's the name these, of the self-care app? I be, uh, this is not a promo. We're not getting paid for this. 
So I'm not getting paid for anything. But. You're, there, people are going to have a window into our editing process because I believe it's true love. And if you heard our earlier commercial, hopefully that's what we said. That <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's true love. But you definitely will have heard it accurately stated right. in our earlier commercial break. So, but yeah, so you know. Not only, hey, final girls, final boys, final non-binaries, not not only stay alive out there, but be good to yourself. Yeah, and read your own story. Yep. Write your own story. Write your own story. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye. Hey, final girls, final boys, and final non-binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of horror, but that's all we are. People struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat, and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline, and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there, too. Take care.